We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Lovely, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how you doing, brother? Ah, uh, nothing better than getting introduced as the lovely Michael J. Fachi by you. Uh, happy you December first hey, to you. How about that? I'll, I'll take that. And uh, Alex, yes, happy December first. Uh, we're going to leave November in the past, but before we do, I guess we got to touch on last night. Yeah, so the Sacramento Kings won the Super Bowl for Sacramento, beating the Pacers 137 to 114. De'Aaron Fox was getting MVP chance, and everybody was doing everything right for them. The Pacers, everything was going wrong for them. So, yeah, obviously, this was the worst loss in the Pacers of the Pacers season so far, losing 137 to 114. A lot of emotional uh, connections here with Halliburton, Buddy Heald going back to Sacramento. DeMontis Savonis playing his first game against the Indiana Pacers. Miles versus Domas, that really didn't have anything to it. Every storyline you were looking for was pretty anticlimactic. It ended up being the Jalen Smith-Benedict Matherin show for the Pacers, whatever show they put on, versus the Malik Monk. Um, I guess a little bit of De'Aaron Fox, but it was mostly like uh, Malik Monk and Harrison Barnes carrying the weight for the Sacramento Kings. So really the heavy hitters you thought that were going to come into this game did not perform at a high level. No, they didn't, but I thought Super Bowl is a great way to put it because 16-plus years of missing the playoffs culminated to last night. <laughs> this was everything the fans could have wanted for in Sacramento. I mean, the way they were booing Buddy and everything like that, it was a, a, a ruckus of a crowd. Um, they were roaring. And you know what? Hats off to the Sacramento fans because I, I do think they created a – cool environment last night but you gotta dream a little bit bigger 
than beating the Pacers in November if you really want to accomplish something. So, look, there was a lot on the line. You went through the storylines. But the first thing I want to touch on is it was evident early on. This game meant a lot to Tyrese Halliburton. And I do think his emotions got the best of him at times. You could see, you know, he was wanting to be aggressive early on. But also, you know, when he didn't get a foul call, which he should have, basically got slapped in the face. You know, he got teed up. And that that's kind of not like Tyrese. And you could see earlier on, this game meant something more to him. And I thought it kind of threw him out of his usual rhythm. Yeah, this Pacers team did not look like the team we've seen no. all season long. It felt like a totally different team. They did not seem connected. They did not share the basketball as well as they have been. They didn't. Didn't shoot the ball well. They got out-rebounded right. So it was one of those games where you were just kind of sitting here like, okay, you understood why. Um, that it was so like discombobulated in terms of how they look. Because honestly, um, I just felt like Halliburton was pressing a little bit. Buddy Heald he was. got a lot of quick shots off early in that first quarter, and he missed like two or three to start the game. And Sacramento's booing him every time he's touching the basketball. They completely drained him out with booze when he got introduced as well. I mean, personally for me, like, no offense to Buddy Hill. Like, it wasn't his fault that they traded the Kings, their franchise player, and DeMarcus Cousins for Buddy Hill in a trade package. And Buddy mm-hmm. Hill is not some guy that's going to carry your team to the promised land, okay? No. Buddy Hill is, like, a, a good scorer that's, you know – it's a really good three-point shooter. Yeah, that's what he is. And, and and what I'm trying to get at here is, like, what did you think you all were getting with Buddy Hield? Like, I understand he didn't want to be there the last two years, but, like, that would be equivalent to us getting mad if TJ McConnell wanted to, you know, request a trade and basically just be like, well, we hate McConnell, you know? It's just like, come on. Like, get yeah, like, like, like Karis LeVert, you know, something like that where it's like, yeah, that's a good one. Like, yeah, like, good player, but, like, it's not like all of our hopes and dreams – you know, rode on your shoulders. So I think that the Sacramento fans, I mean, they uh, they they haven't had a lot over over the last decade or so. So you know, how many I, other guys in the last however many years, sixteen years, have wanted out of Sacramento? I guarantee almost everybody. all of them. Everybody. So the, I, the the one guy who didn't, you traded, and Tyrese Halliburton. So I mean, <laughs> I, I don't blame him over there. But it's just like, look, you know, they're having fun right now. And, and the Kings actually looked like a fun team last night. They're so good. It, 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 they are good. And, Alex, I'm going to be honest. There was a little moment I got on my feelings a little bit. I missed Sabonis a little bit last night seeing him out. And I don't miss having him instead of Halliburton. I want to be very clear on that. I just miss seeing him go to work earlier on. And it looked like he could have had a triple-double in his sleep if he played more than 23 minutes. Yeah, he got into foul trouble first quarter. He had 2,000. He picked up his third, and they actually challenged it, and they won the challenge, and then he came back down, like, what was it, like two or three plays later, and kind of like, I think Jalen Smith sold it pretty well, but, you know, uh, he did foul Jalen Smith, so he got three fouls in the first half and got pulled, and then he got his fourth in the third quarter, and the, the, the lead was way out of hand at this point. There was no reason to bring it back in, but 11 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, one steal, three turnovers, you know, had a very Domas-like game. Um, I did listen today to Locked On Kings to kind of hear their perspective of everything, and Domas was just kind of like a side story to what happened. They were really interested in talking about Tyrese's return and Buddy's return and that kind of thing. So, you know, it was an emotional game for sure, and I, and I think at this point Rick Carlisle – after the game said, it was my fault, I didn't have these guys ready, but 
I, I think he was just trying to take this one for the team, knowing that this was an emotional game. And you got to just move on from it. It is just one game out of 82. That's how you have to look at it, no matter how emotionally uh, you know, draining it was for some of these guys. Like it was, it was a big deal. I mean, it was. But on the win-loss column, it only counts as one game flash, and I think you can't overlook it and uh, freak out about it. You had a great win against the Lakers, and you had a terrible game against the Kings. Move on. You got the Jazz on Friday, and let's see what they can do there. I think that's a good point right over there, but it also makes that Lakers win so much more important because if you were coming off of the Clippers loss, losing to the Lakers, and now this, it would be like, uh-oh. Like, I think the Pacers are starting to, you know, that seven-game road trip we knew was going to, you know, take a toll on them, and here it is. But last night, you could move past this. I know it was it was gross, but honestly, Pacers got punched in the mouth early on. They were down 13 points in, in the first quarter. The third quarter was really ugly. They were out of it. They trailed by as many as, I want to say, 32. But, Alex, one key stat that I looked at, the Kings outscored the Pacers 31-8 to on fast break points. Yeah, that was a I game felt changer. Like it, it really was. The Kings just kept going up and down the court, up and down. I felt like the Pacers were they were, they were getting off quick shots. I mean, you saw Halliburton taking some deep threes. You know, 4 of 13 for Halliburton, that's not like him. And, you know, no. Buddy obviously wanted it. And, you know, we, we touched on that, but it just showed that guys were just out of rhythm and the Kings just felt like it, it, it was – I felt like the home court really benefited them. It, it no. really did. And, oh, yeah, there was there was a ton of stories. But, man, uh, one of them, which I think we got to touch on, we got to give him his flowers, Jalen Smith in that third quarter. I know the game was out of reach. 18 points in the third, 22 matches the career high, I believe, from earlier in the week. Uh, but I know it wasn't all pretty for Jalen because he actually suffered that facial contusion and did not return to the game. Yeah, so Malik Monk was driving to the basket. Jalen Smith contested the shot, and Monk got his elbow in underneath Jalen Smith's chin, and uh, they ended up putting like a gauze or some kind of rag or something in his mouth to try to like stop some bleeding, I guess. Maybe he bit his tongue or something. They took him back. He did not return to the game. He only played 19 minutes in this game, Fachi. And you know what's really sad? It's like, Every good Jalen Smith game has resulted in like a blowout loss. It's like I know we got to get him going when the team's playing really well. So, you know, I thought Rick Carlisle uh, he pulled Miles out and put Benedict Matherin in, in for him in the third quarter and rode with the starting unit with Matherin in for Miles and put Jalen at the five. And I was texting some people and messaging some people on Twitter, and I'm like, I think we're starting to see Jalen Smith is a better fit at the five than he is the four. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the Pacers might push back on that, you know what I mean, in, in terms of how they view him. But I just feel like he looks more comfortable as a center, in my opinion. And with the way the Pacers like to play with, with the spread offense, I just feel like even even in closing time when games are on the line, they always go small with Mathern kind of playing that four with yep. Buddy and, and Tyrese. And, and it looks like Nimhard usually sometimes it's Smith, but usually it's Miles instead of Jalen. But I just kind of like that way. I like that group and how they play together. So yeah, I mean it, it was a it was a tough matchup here, and you know nobody shot well. And I feel like, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but I feel like in an environment like this, with a, a very young team, this is where you really need your veterans to step up, your McConnells, your Turners, your Buddy Heels, even at this point, your James Johnsons, and they they did not step up, in my opinion the way that I would have hoped they would have to kind of corral this group and get them ready. Uh, I don't think any of them have probably experienced anything like this in terms of 
the magnitude of how how you know raucous the crowd might be. Maybe James Johnson has, but he didn't even play in this game. But maybe if they would have put him in early in the first quarter or the second quarter just to kind of set the tone, I don't know if that would have helped, but it feels like he could have been a little physical out there maybe um, with that second unit. I think he could have. I mean, we've seen him come and play against the Nets, and it really made a difference. And maybe I've been watching a little too much college basketball, but last night's crowd felt like a college crowd. Like, it felt like we were on the road, and it was like, oh, man, like, these Kings fans want blood. And they wanted blood on Twitter, too. They were all all in our, you know, our mentions. I mean, they really were. But, look, it was a fun atmosphere. I would love to be able to, you know, get revenge on the Kings. I don't know when it's going to come. I know we got to play them last year. You know, in Indiana, don't know if we play them again this year. Um, but it, it, it was fun, but the score wasn't. I would have loved that this was like one of those slug fests, which I really hoped it would have been, and it most definitely was not. But to your point, uh, when you're mentioning a couple of the veterans that didn't step up, Alex, I think there's a lot of people that hoped and wanted to see Turner go toe-to-toe with Sabonis. And it really didn't happen. I mean, Miles had a couple blocks early on in the game that were mm-hmm. nice, but other than that, I mean, it was uh, it was not a vintage type Miles Turner performance for this year's sake. It was four points, six boards, two of nine shooting. He had his three blocks, was great, but you know, it was actually a minus thirty three in the game. And look, you don't point the blame at anyone in this game because the Pacers were out of it early on. But I would have loved to have seen a little bit more because you know. And even he'll never admit it. And I know they're 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 friends. There was a little something extra there for him, you know, competing against Sabonis and all the talk he'd heard over the years. So I would have loved to have seen a little bit more out of Miles last night. Yeah, he was two and nine from the field. He didn't he didn't play great for sure. I don't really think anybody played great, but I will say no, this. No. Um, you know, Miles when when he's making shots offensively, he just looks like a different player. He does. He needs like, to see the ball go in the early on. It always changes the rest of his game. When he gets that first or, sh- or second shot to fall, he always looks way more confident after that. Yeah, because he, he didn't look like himself last night at all to me. It seemed like he was kind of going through the motions just a little bit, and I get it. I mean, the game wasn't going how you expected. Things weren't being run as well as they, they had before. And there was probably some pressure, I guess you could say. Maybe it's internal pressure to try to compete against Sabonis. But, you know, like we said, Sabonis almost had a triple-double, but it wasn't even like he felt that impactful. There was nice things that he was doing. I think Caitlin Cooper shared a tweet just talking about how Sabonis creates so much room on his screens for dribble handoffs and stuff like that compared to what the Pacers do and getting their guys open looks. And, you know, we're not trying to sit here and – talk about these two and say, oh, we were right. We wanted Simone. It's like, no, it's fine. But I think the whole point of this is, and why you talked about it being a college-like environment, Pacer fans would do the same thing if they talked about the Pacers losing this trade as much as so many across the league have talked about the Kings losing this trade by sending Halliburton to Indiana. Look, at the end of the day, it was the right trade for the Pacers. They needed Halliburton. He was a godsend for us, right? Didn't know mm-hmm. if Sabonis was going to stay long-term. Now, the Kings, they're in a different boat. They had two point guards in Mitchell and Fox, and they could part ways with Halliburton. It, it wasn't the most easy thing to do, but the fit with him and Fox wasn't great either. So, you know, everybody acts like Domas is just like some throw-in kind of for Halliburton. No, Domas is a two-time <laughs> all-star. I mean, he's a yes. really good player. He's just not as vocal, and that's what the big thing is. You don't ever hear Sabonis talk to the media. Never. 
And, and, and that's why he gets overlooked and probably discredited a little bit by, you know, NBA media members just because, you know, Domas is good, but he doesn't, he's not flashy. Nothing about Domas is flashy and Halliburton's got more uh, pizzazz to his game. So, you know, I, I think it, it, a great comparison is how everybody roasted the Pacers for trading Paul George for Sabonis and Oladipo. And when Oladipo went off that year, we let everybody know that we won that trade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. So it was one of those things where it's like we were kind of in the same boat, and I think you got to give Kings credit for for sticking up for their franchise. You do. You do. And I remember, and I'm sure you remember, I mean, the first time Paul George played the Pacers, it was a ruckus crowd. Everyone yeah, was, I was there. Every time he, oh, I mean, that must have been amazing to be there. <laughs> I even watched it on TV. I was going nuts. But they booed him every time he touched the ball. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. So, you know, I respect it from the Kings fans. But then also, I mean, you had people, you know, just just tweeting up a storm like, you know, just Kings fans, they, they could not have been happier how last night went. So, hey, I guess we got to give them theirs for, for last night. But there's a much bigger picture uh, to go after. And if they're going to try and end that playoff drought after 16 plus years, you got to deliver a little bit more. But, you know, there was another bright spot outside of this game, and that's Benedict Matherman. I mean, yeah. right now, Alex Mathurin was named the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. I mean, he hasn't stopped. I know he wasn't efficient last night, but still 22 points off the bench. I mean, he's now scored, I want to say it was uh, it's like 11 or 12 20-point games uh, on the year, which yeah. has just been amazing to see. I mean, this guy, he had a couple takes last night to the hoop that just really, really impressed me as he continues to grow his game. Yeah, it's hard not to like what you're seeing from Benedict Mather. And I mean, he's been fantastic, you know. And, and honestly, you know, last night, even when he didn't shoot the ball well, just 6 of 17 and 0 of 4 from 3, got to the foul line. 11 free throws, he made 10 oh. of them. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what he's been doing all year long. When the shot's not going in, he finds a way to get to the basket, get to the free throw line. And that's what you like to see. And I, and I, and I slowly am starting to see different wrinkles to his game because – if you look at his stats, I mean, for the most part, Matherin is looking for his, okay? Matherin is a guy that is head, you know, down, going straight to the basket. But last night, he drove to the basket, someone stepped up, and he had a nice little dump-off pass to Isaiah Jackson, and Isaiah Jackson missed on the on the short little bunny there. So mm -hmm. it was the right play, right? And we're yep. starting to see little things like that, and um, we're starting to see him shoot the floater a little bit more because that really wasn't in his game in the summer league. We never really saw that in college, but he slowly added that to his um, arsenal in, in terms of attacking the basket. So he's finding different ways to be impactful, even when he's not having a great shooting night. And I was enjoying him talking with people. It, he's just so much fun to watch, Fachi. He, he's a treasure for sure and really deserved it. He hasn't been hurt, so maybe that did help his case against Paulo Boncaro, but right now it's been like three or four weeks in a row. He's top of the rookie ladder from NBA.com, and I I love seeing it, Fachi. I mean, there is a legitimate chance if he continues to play like this that he gets sixth man and rookie of the year. I mean, that would truly be a historic rookie season right there. Like I said, I'm not sure if it's ever been done, and if it has, it's been quite some time, decades since it's been done. I don't even know if the, the sixth man – I don't know how many decades that award has been around. So it, it maybe it's never happened before. But, man, we're, we're seeing something special. And, and, look, Keegan Murray 
good player, going to be a good player. Last night, I didn't see anything that was like, oh, man, maybe the Pacers made a mistake. I mean, Keegan Murray was 4 of 12 from the field, 14 points, 16 boards. You know, hey, whatever, good good rookie performance. But even in a, a non-efficient night, Matherin made plays that made him look special. So I thought that was awesome to see. But sadly, nearly a tear falling out of my eye. Tyrese Halliburton's streak without a turnover is over. He had, uh, you know, coming into the game, it was 48 straight assists dating back to his three, about three and a half games without a turnover. Finished last night, 10 assists, only two turnovers, which, you know, to anyone else, it'd be like, wow, it's a great, great performance. But the run that he was on, truly historic, sucked to see it come to an end. Yeah, that was a, that was a talking point for Locked On Kings host Matt George to say that, Oh, the, the Kings forced Halliburton into some turnovers. Well, he only had two on the night, Fachi. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. Forced him into some turnovers. Yeah. Two for anyone is nothing. But two for Halliburton, unfortunately, yeah, that, that'll get you to say, hey, we did a great job on him. <laughs> I was laughing, man. It, it's it's pretty interesting. And I, and I wanted to bring this up in Rookie of the Month. You have to go all the way back, if I'm reading correctly here, to 2015-2016 February when Miles Turner was Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month wow, in February. That's a long time. You have to go all back almost what is that seven years now to find yeah. the uh, a pacer that won rookie of the month. So I wanted to throw that out there, but yeah, I mean honestly, you know it it, it was a tough game for Tyrese. They were double teaming him. They were really trying to yeah. muck it up. You talked about them getting out and beating us in the fast break uh, points, and, and part of that is because the Kings play fast and they played faster and quicker than us on on that game, Fachi. And I, I, honestly, you know. I don't know where Aaron Neesmith is going to find where he fits in the most because he's a good defensive player, Fachi. But yeah, I got to talk about him for a second because I talked about him on the last podcast um, that we did. I think it was after the Clippers game. I'm like, man, he's just rough. And then he comes out mm-hmm. and plays pretty good um, against the Lakers, right? And didn't have a bad yeah. game there. And I'm like, okay, so we talked bad about him and he had a good game, whatever. I just want to say this. It's not really like me being like negative on him, but – have you ever played pinball before, like an actual pinball machine, or have you played the one <laughs> yep. on the computer? So oh, yeah. you know, you know how you have to kind of pull that lever back to get the ball to shoot up and then start bouncing off all the stuff in the pinball machine. Absolutely. And, yeah, and so there's like that lever, and if you don't want to pull it all the way back, right? You can do it like halfway, and it might like go up and then come back and sneak in through the side, right? But if you pull it all the way up, you see that thing skyrocket and just bounce everywhere. That's how Aaron, uh, Aaron Neesmith shoots the ball, Fachi. He pulls that lever all the way back, and that thing is just, whoop, you better have a helmet on your head if, if he misses oh, that yeah. because it is coming off the rim hard. He has zero finesse in his shot. Like, it's a good shooting form, but everything he shoots is so hard. I'm I'm just like, why are all of his rebounds, like, just hard clanks? Like, you see guys miss some shots, and they've got, like, a soft little bounce on the rim when they shoot it, right? It doesn't just, yep. like kick way back out, but, like, all of Aaron's misses are just, like, huge, like, bounce back three, like, you know, ricochet. So I'm just like, maybe if he could just take a little bit of uh, pizzazz off that shot and just shoot it with a little bit more of a softer touch, we'd start to see more go in. I mean, maybe this is just me being too critical and a terrible, you know, point that I'm bringing up, but it's something I've noticed. It just feels like he shoots the ball so hard. He he does he does go hard out there, but you know, look, maybe a little bit of a softer touch. You know, maybe a couple more would go in over there. I mean, just three of ten last night. It feels like he's alternating, kind of good games where you know, last inning at Sacramento. Look, no one's going to say it was a great game, 
Uh, against the Lakers, yeah, 16 points, 5 of 10 shooting. Great to see. Against the Clippers, 7 shooting. It's just like – and then the previous game, you know, he's in double figures again. And the previous one, he's at 3. It's just like you can't alternate either being at 16 points or 2 or 10 or 3. It's just like the Pacers need a little bit more consistency. And speaking of Neesmith, not in the starting lineup last night. Nemhard takes the spot back on the starting five. I think it was the right decision because Nemhard fits that starting five better than Neesmith does. Even though Nemhard wasn't great last night, I still like him in the starting lineup better than Neesmith. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think with Tyrese being six foot five, you know, he's not always going to be able to guard. I mean, I I guess Nemhard's six five too, but Tyrese is not known for being a good defender. And, and and Nimhard has had some of the tougher defensive challenges this season mm-hmm. already. Like we talked about him guarding LeBron on uh, Monday night against the Lakers. And so then he drew the matchup of guarding De'Aaron Fox. And, you know, that was one of those things where everyone's kind of talking about like, oh, Fox versus Halliburton. But no, we knew Halliburton was probably not going to guard him. So it was Nimhard who got the Fox challenge. And that's one of those things with, with him. Like, you know, maybe they would have put Neesmith on him anyway if he was out there, but I just feel like Nimhart is just like like Bob said, and I, like I heard Eddie Garrison say, he is a chameleon. That is what Nimhart does. Yep. He plays well with that group. And some of the shots that he had, you could tell he was feeling a little confident after that game against the Lakers. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. That, you know, but that's this is kind of how the NBA is, man. Like one night you can be on top of the world, greatest moment ever, hit a, Le- a winner in LeBron's face. You got, you're drenched in water and you're having the blast. And two days later, you're sitting on the bench watching your team get blown out by 30 points. I mean, that is the nature of the NBA, and that's how tough this league is. So I like Nemhard back there. When Duarte comes back, we're probably looking at a week or two away, probably for Duarte. When he comes back, where does that put Neesmith in the rotation? Does he just end up taking O'Shea's minutes again and O'Shea's out of the rotation? And it's Duarte, Matherin, Neesmith, McConnell, and Ajax as your as your backup unit. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but – I. I don't envision Neesmith going anywhere in terms of the rotation because it seems like Rick really likes his defensive presence. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm i just curious to see what they do. But I, I feel like O'Shea, um, he's not had a great road trip. It's kind of been like no. – uh, it's it's not been as exciting. It's been very like, oh, yeah, he played tonight. Exactly. Like a couple of weeks ago, he was having moments where it was like, hey, he was good during that stint right over here. I haven't really seen that lately. And going back to your point about Neesmith and his mitts, look at the very specific consistency on Neesmith's minutes lately. Against uh, the Kings, 24 minutes. Lakers, 23. Clippers, 23. Brooklyn, 26. Minnesota, 26. Orlando, he gets 31. And then, and then Orlando before that, 25. So he's almost on the dot playing between 23 to 26 minutes in all of those games. So you can see that's kind of that number that they have in their head of like, hey, we really want to keep him at just about 25 or less. So with Duarte in there, I feel like all of a sudden for Neesmith, that could shrink down to 15 or less. You know, it could be 12 minutes per game. I think O'Shea's minutes are probably the first to go Mm -hmm. right over there. But you got to imagine that that 25 minutes for Neesmith is probably shrinking into closer to 15, I would imagine, with Duarte back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, I'm excited to see what Duarte can bring to this team, just another me, guy me that too. can shoot the ball. He's got a, a much better touch on his shot than, than Neesmith does. 
and I'm not sure how he's going to look physically, How if they kind of ease him back in and have him play more of the O'Shea role in terms of his minute load coming back from the ankle injury. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Duarte was really fun last year, and we saw some really great games from him. So I just want to see him get back on track. We, we saw him have a great game against the Nets, and then he gets hurt the next, you know, three minutes into the next game. So that's something you're really looking forward to seeing, Fachi. But with that being said, we've pretty much talked about everything. The last thing I wanted to bring up, once again, which we talked about this after the Clippers game, teams putting teams are putting their center, their defensive center, on Jalen Smith and putting a wing on Miles Turner. Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, I think, maybe played him a little bit. I remember Barnes guarding him at one point. I, I can't remember. It's all kind of a blur now. But having a quicker guy like that on Turner will impact what he can do on the perimeter and the open looks that he'll get. He probably won't get as many. Now he's got to start learning how to use his height down low against those guys, but it's, I'm not sure if he's going to be a low post threat very often, or if it's just kind of like in the moment, they'll do like the pick and roll with them, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I would like to see him maybe be more, you know, demanding down there when he's got a smaller guy on him. Like, you know, Barnes is a couple inches shorter than him. Get down there and show him what you got. Right. Um, just, just make them pay for putting a smaller guy on you. But if that's not his game and, and what they want to see him do, then, I think it's going to be tougher for him to take advantage of, of those matchups when he's got that that you know wing on him instead of a center. Yeah, we know Miles is never going to live in the post, but we need him in the post more often than we're getting it because early in the season, yeah, you know, he was he was catching the ball and going going right at it. He he really was at times, and I think lately we're starting to see a little bit less and less of that, and I think teams are figuring out how to better guard him. And I think lately, you know, you look at this from, from three-point land, I guess let's just look at the last three games. You know, Turner's 0 for 3 from 3, and 1 of 7 against the Lakers, 1 of 6 against the Clippers. So you're talking about being 2 of 16 from 3. Miles, we need you in the post a little bit more. Need you over there. You can get to the free throw line. You want to talk about the last two games? 0 for 2 from the free throw line in two games got to get him to the free throw line more, and that's not really going to happen. Getting fouled on threes, it's far more rare. So I, I think that teams are starting to figure out a really good way to guard him. With, with when you mentioned the more athletic you know, wings, he's got to be able to figure that out. Take him in the paint. Use your size to your advantage. It's got to happen. Most of the time, I mean, he's, he's outside of Goga, you know, right over there. I mean, that's where our height's coming from. So we, we, we need it. Yeah, no doubt about it, Fachi. We do need to see that more from him, and I think it'll just be good for him to to see when that happens and see how they can take advantage of it. I'm not trying to say muck up the offense and you no, know no. just like get him down there and make him demand the ball, but I definitely think that there's a point where it's like, okay, Miles needs to get some better looks so he can get going. Like we said, when he gets exactly. going offensively, he plays better defensively. He's more engaged, and it, and it just opens up his game so much more because once he has confidence that his shot's going in, he shoots the ball with confidence. When he doesn't, he gets in his mind a little bit, and that's when the shots don't fall. So, once again, if you haven't already heard my uh, theory on it, what's going on with the Pacers, they've got the woeful Wednesdays, Fachi. They've only got one win on a Wednesday now. Ooh. On the road against the, the Hornets without Gordon Hayward, and LaMelo Ball got hurt there at the end. Now, that was a good win. Don't get me wrong, but we had like three days of rest before that game, too. So, you know, the Wednesday games have not been good for us so far this season. We are now, I believe, one in three or one in four. I know we've lost to uh, the Bulls. I think we're one in four. The Bulls, the Nuggets, the Kings, 
and no one and five, the Timberwolves and the Wizards. So one and five on Wednesdays, that is not good for us. No, it's it's not. I mean, Wednesdays, uh, we got to figure it out. It's just a, <laughs> it's just another day of the week, so it, there shouldn't be this obstacle of like, oh man, Pixers play on Wednesday, like throw some money on the visiting team, you know, or the I'm doing team. it now, man. So, yeah, so we got to figure that out. But overall, I mean, we could bounce back from this. We play the Utah Jazz coming up. The Jazz are not the same Jazz from the beginning of the year. So, look, they're now 13 and 11. At one point, they had, like, the top record in the West. People were like, playoff team? Like, did they, you know, did they for sure win the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert trades? Like, we can beat Utah. We can. But it's important to be able to bounce back and get a nice win on the road. And I think Utah could be that opportunity. And the Pacers very much responded against the Lakers coming off of that Clippers game. I think getting punched in the mouth against the Kings – I think this is a way for them to respond and be like, all right, how how are we gonna how are we gonna pick ourselves up from this? And I think they will. They definitely need to win this game if they want to stay above five hundred because they've got to believe four more games left on the road trip. They've got Utah, Golden State, Portland, and Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota will will be without Carl Anthony Towns, but I think that might actually be a benefit in terms of style to play and open up the perimeter a little bit more for a guy like Anthony Edwards. I thought they had a really nice win against the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday night. Uh, without Towns in his first game. I'm not saying Towns isn't a great player, but just saying, you know, they got they got spanked by the Golden State Warriors. And I think it was Austin Rivers like, if we're gonna have two bigs, we gotta play big. <laughs> we gotta we gotta play to our advantages. So, you know, I I think that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, this is gonna be a tough schedule the rest of the road trip. We knew that going in. Damian Lillard is making his return against the Pacers um for the Blazers. So you know that that's it, Fachi. Uh, we got ourselves our hand uh, our hands full, but let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. Make sure you subscribe for all of our video content over there. But Fachi, if you're still 100% sure that the Pacers won the Tyrese Halliburton Buddy Heel for the Montes Sabonis trade, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.